You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping and two free gifts when you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit with promo code GATORS. Head over to manscaped.com and purchase yours today. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. That is right, there is never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Welcome to Gators Breakdown. I am the host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me for this special Friday night edition episode is co-host Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at readandreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. Will, would kind of, that's not necessarily a special edition episode because I'll throw out random episodes every now and then anyway. But, of course, uh, uh, different circumstances this time with everything going on uh, around the world, uh, in America, University of Florida, all the way filtering down to the, uh, you know, the sports we love so much uh, and the, uh, you know, the uh, coronavirus and all the, the, the outbreak and the, the effect of the outbreak of what's going on around here. So, of course, um, the sports world's been shaken up. And uh, there are, there's a lot to talk about, of course, and how it relates to the University of Florida and, uh, and, and the sports program. Yeah, I mean, it's not just there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. It's now there's <laughs> never a dull moment in the United States or worldwide. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. And and certainly, you know, with all the stuff starting, it was it was at a distance for a while. But now it's right on top of us. And, you know, we had a couple of cases that were confirmed real close to my kids' schools. So it's all over the country. And obviously, everybody's got schools shutting down and, and everybody's going nuts. So it's I mean, rightly so. But it's a. Uh, it's an opportunity maybe for us to help with an escape and talk about football. And that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we do here on Gators Breakdown. We uh, talk football, but of course, all, all the uh, real world, inter- real world interaction now uh, kind of intermingles and, and cross paths here. Uh, and that's kind of what we'll uh, discuss here. Uh, of course, everybody out there, stay safe, take precautions, heed warnings. Uh, there's no such thing as an overreaction uh, in here uh, with, with the way this stuff goes. So um, it's about as, Political as I'll get with it, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll 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 talk football, we'll talk sports, we'll uh, everything that's going on there. Well, it, it is weird because I'm here in Jacksonville, and of course we had the uh, the, the players' championship uh, golf tournament happen here. So you know, one big event, one of the biggest events uh, on the PGA Tour schedule. Uh, so of course a lot of eyes were on the area that I live in, you know, Ponte Vedra Beach, Jacksonville area. Uh, of course, and you know, they played one round of that tournament and canceled the rest after the NCAA has come out. And well, first of all, you started with the conference basketball tournaments and all those getting delayed and canceled, and then filtering down individually, leading to the NCAA cancel cancellation of the uh, NCAA tournament, spring sports. We'll get into all this, of course. Um, it's just they the last couple of days have been weird, surreal, uh, unexpected. 
uh, just a just an odd moment in life and and, and in sports life. Yeah, I mean, sports is always sort of a reflection of society, I think, and I'm not sure. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing. And and this week, like you said, it was kind of a weird thing, especially with the way things went down with the Jazz and Rudy Gobert and that game not being played while other games were still going on. And and sort of, I think sports in some capacity was the filter to be able to sort of maybe understand the severity of, of what was going on to have a player who had the virus having, you know, and, and the option, I know earlier in the week teams were talking about and conferences were talking about playing games with no fans in the stands. And then obviously once you have a player infected, then it becomes, all right, we just can't have anybody out there. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a surreal week. It's been a, uh, a week that I'm sure none of us are going to forget and, and hopefully it's something that passes relatively quickly and we can get back to the business of sports. But at the same time, recognizing that the business of sports is a whole lot less important than some of the other things that are going on out there. Absolutely. So maybe we can be a little bit of, uh, you know, release, uh, escaping of, uh, a lot of the reality out there, but you know, this episode is going to be built around what the coronavirus has basically done, uh, for, uh, the university of Florida sports program, football in particular, uh, there. So before we get there, Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown if you want a lot of football talk in what was supposed to be spring practice starting next week. You can go back from the last couple of episodes when uh, Will joined me a couple weeks ago where we had our Q&A session talking about the uh, the offense and then Nick Delatore from Gator Country joined me last uh, earlier this past week and uh, discussing the Q&A session for the defense. So a lot of good content out there still to, to break down uh, what was supposed to be spring practice next week. We think we'll eventually get there, have some kind of spring practice. So a lot of this stuff will still hold true for uh, a long while uh, there. But you can get that at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. And then uh, please share, rate, and review the show and follow us on social media. Uh, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So we'll... we'll let's get to it on, on this Friday the 13th after all the stuff we just discussed. Now, Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland uh, held a press conference uh, that we got to call into and listen to today, uh, as well as the, you know, released a statement along with the SEC announcing no organized team activities until at least April 15th. And here is the uh, full message uh, from Strickland here, and they sent an email form uh, not long ago. So, as you know, uh, the coronavirus is a global issue that has obviously had an impact on collegiate athletics and the Gator program. During the last several weeks, we have continued to work with the Southeastern Conference and campus leadership, along with the expertise of local, state, and federal health officials to make decisions centered around the health and well-being of our student athletes, coaches, staff, and fans. The SEC announced today that all league competition and team activities are suspended until April 15th. This includes voluntary and required team and individual practices and workouts. In addition, the University Athletic Association is closing all team areas in its athletic facilities until at least April 15th, with the exception of its sports, health, and academic advising units. The department will continue to provide health, nutrition, mental health counseling, and academic support to our student athletes during this time. Our student athletes will continue to follow campus guidelines, and we are encouraging them to leave campus. Their education will remain online. 
For those fans that have purchased tickets to any scheduled Gators events, the Gator Ticket Office will automatically refund all ticket purchases for events scheduled to take place from March 13th to April 15th. Refunds will be processed back in the form of payment using the original purchase. So, with athletics, uh, while athletics is centered around competition, it is imperative that we address this issue through a community lens and do whatever is best to reduce the risk of exposure and spread of coronavirus. I am grateful for your support of the program, and I know as Gators, we will do our part in working together through this unprecedented time. So, Will uh, was on the line when uh, Strickland was talking to media there, uh, us media there uh, as well, and you could hear the disappointment in his voice, and not necessarily because of just everything. I think most importantly, how it affects a lot of these student athletes. Uh, and we'll get into football. That's what we'll start with. But just the overall message, and okay, this is the SEC. This is the University of Florida. Uh, it affects students. It affects the student athletes. Uh, a lot of them, you know, spring break was this happening. They were probably on their way back to campus. Some of them live on campus. There's students from all over the world at Florida who probably can't even get home. Uh, and that's, it's, a, it is a, it's a weird, tricky situation. And you could, just, you could hear the um, disappointment condolences in, in, in Scott Strickland's voice in dealing with this uh, difficult time. Yeah, I mean, in some ways I can actually really relate because I was supposed to come down to Florida last week and launch a product I've been working on for, for a couple of years now at, at my current company. And that, and that, that the conference was, was uh, shut down and we weren't able to do that. And so I, I get, you know, it was an opportunity for us uh, from a professional perspective, but the difference is, is that I get to, I get to do it when everything comes back online, right? Like everything is still sort of set up. Um, to do that sort of to do that launch, but a lot of these players, that's not necessarily the case. Now I know the NCAA has gotten involved and and is talking about potentially granting players an extra year of eligibility who were in spring sports and those sorts of things. But that also brings in all sorts of roster management issues and other things that need to be worked out. And and it's just you know you look at the you look at a team like the baseball team that isn't necessarily going to be able to finish its season, and you know that team had an opportunity to win a national championship, and so it's a special mix of guys who can build into those particular types of teams and just because you get the seniors able to come back doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the same magic next year when when you when you regroup everybody so you know college is a special time but you know i was i was there at florida in 2001 when 9-11 happened and that was a obviously a horrible thing and 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 a place where you don't forget where you were at the time when that happened and and the community came together and i expect the florida community to act very much the same way when it comes to coronavirus in terms of being responsible and and making sure that it doesn't spread mainly to make sure that you're not carrying it to some of the older people who are more who are more vulnerable absolutely absolutely there so Gators Breakdown is a football podcast, uh, so we will focus uh, on football right here to, to begin with, and then we'll get into what Will was kind of uh, you know getting into with some of the other sports, the spring sports, the basketball, all that stuff. We'll have time to get into, but uh, a lot, of, like I said, we'll become an escape for a little while uh, here and, and talking about how this deals uh, with the football program and. Um, well, he was Scott Strickland was asked, you know, point blank, uh, basically the. Um, condition uh, of spring football uh, and quote it's in flux uh, you know even with the date that was given uh, of April 15th and he said you know that's that's an optimistic timeline uh, he, he said that a couple times an optimistic timeline and, and I kind of uh, agree with that part of it you, you kind of think right now with the way this thing's going everything would have to go perfect 
probably would that statement be made? Everything that had to go perfect from from this point forward for that April fifteenth, uh, you know, deadline to happen. The, the, the Florida spring game was supposed to uh, happen on April eighteenth, and now so this ban on activities is going until April fifteenth. So no, there will be no spring game on April eighteenth. Uh, there, if, if people are still wondering, still asking about that, you really doubt. Uh, you know, they're not only going to practice for a day or two and then go hold a spring game. So everything's going to be postponed. Uh, he was asked about that too. He goes, he can he can envision seeing maybe a spring football practice that will happen in say maybe late April to May, maybe into June uh, there, or maybe they even start fall camp a couple weeks early, three couple two three weeks early. In this unprecedented situation, the NCAA is going to have to work with a lot of these programs and and keep it on a fair and equal level because you can't have some programs out there. You know, before this had come out from the SEC this afternoon, you some programs are saying we're still going to hold spring practice the way we have scheduled it, uh, and some programs like uh, LSU said they were still in Missouri. I think was still full steam ahead. We're going to hold it like we did. Auburn come out late Thursday night and said we're suspending all activity. So you couldn't have that inequality. Uh, there in the way they schedule and, and hold spring um, spring practice uh, there, so the SEC had to step in, had to had to make this move uh, first and for foremost to kind of you know hush the situation, be an authority, and then second of all, you know just make it equal fe- footing for the rest of the programs. Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> it- Flux is the perfect word to use here because <laughs> yeah. nobody knows anything. Like we we don't know um, we don't know what's going to happen to the transmission rates here. We don't know whether some of the isolation strategies are going to work. Obviously, the biggest thing that we want to do is make sure that we're not taxing the medical system. And so that's those are the kinds of decisions that those are the kinds of things that come into play when you start making decisions like this. And the last thing you want to do is fill up the swamp for a spring game in May, and all of a sudden, boom, you get like a re-energy you know, re-energizing form of this stuff moving around. So I'm going to defer to the doctors and the medical professionals when it comes to deciding what what the appropriate course of action is. One thing that I will say is that um, there's a really good article on ESPN today by Ramona Shelburne talking about the NBA and its decision to cancel games. And at the end of the day, it was the commissioner who came down and had to make a decision once Rudy Gobert tested positive, and and you sort of saw it on the sidelines with Mark Cuban's reaction that that decision had not been run by the owners, and and I think we saw for the basketball tournaments this past week we saw um, Greg Sankey not necessarily mm-hmm. not necessarily in lockstep with everything that was going on. I think the SEC really took. It, it took there was enough time here with the spring practices and the way they were going to start what the deadline to make decisions that they were able to sit down, get everybody around the table and say, hey, this is what we're going to do, because this is going to make it fair. This is going to be the best thing for the community, the best thing for the virus and the best thing for the players. So, you know, the last thing you want is players out there worried about their girlfriends and their families and their grandparents and that sort of stuff. So I, I think it's a wise decision to move things back. Obviously, April 15th is probably pretty optimistic, but. Again, if if the isolation um, mechanism really helps prevent the spread, it may be that that this dies out relatively quickly and and we're able to get back to normalcy relatively quickly. But nobody knows at this point. That's why the stock market's going up and down. And uh, once we have a little bit more certainty, a little bit more information, I think we'll we'll know as we get closer. And that's kind of what Strickland's doing, right, is he's buying time for the next month. to be able to make decisions in the future. So nobody's wondering what's going on in the next month. He's got a month to sort of um, look at how things develop and look at what happens nationwide and then make decisions off of that. All right. So with that, you know, we can now look at how this will affect the football team uh, this spring. And 
uh, the last couple of weeks, we've answered a lot of questions of the depth chart and players who can get better and what do they need to do to get better. And look, all that um, is Bridge Strickland saying is in flux. You know, I, I doubt the the spring whatever they end up having. Um, if if they even have a spring practice, is you know it, it won't be the same. There, there may be a reduced number. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, it is going to be affected in, in in some way, somehow, some form. Spring practice will just not be the same. So, what are things to look forward to? Especially some of the conversations we had the last week. And will for me is some of the the young players that we have discussed who could take advantage uh, of a spring practice. A lot of the early enrollees. So now Anthony Richardson may not get a spring as a true freshman quarterback to, to get his feet under him and, and, and you know, be um, ready to go as much as he would have been if they had had a practice. These young offensive linemen who, okay, yeah, you went through a another, or you went through a, your first strength and conditioning with Nick Savage, but you didn't necessarily get the chance to go out there and see what that transformation of your body would have been able to do in the competitive form that is uh, spring practice. And, you know, a lot of guys fighting for jobs uh, there. I think that, that that's a big one. Trey Dean, maybe in his move to safety, if he's going to you know, go play his third different position uh, in as many years, well, you know, you would have loved to have a spring practice here and him going out there and, and making the most of his opportunity, getting used to that spot uh, as well. Go to the linebackers and say, okay, there's a lot of leadership they have to replace with Davey Reese there. Well, you may not get that opportunity now with the way spring practice may get reduced or, or the way it changes. There's just a lot of questions like that. There's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about these last couple of weeks, the biggest questions that we see with this team and with a reduced or maybe even no spring practice or it gets pushed all the way to fall and they get those extra practices ta- tapped onto that. You know, this is a, this is a big effect and a big change of the way we're just used to seeing players get some experience in the spring. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to have an impact for young guys. I think that's maybe the thing overall that we would probably expect, you know, 15, 20 years ago, a guy came in as a true freshman. It was because he only had the fall, the fall to, to get ready. And so you had to sort of ease them into the schedule. So Florida's an advantage there because it's pretty easy to ease somebody into Florida's schedule in, in 2020. And so there will be an opportunity for guys to come into the game and make mistakes and sort of learn on the learn on the fly. Whereas, you know, some other teams won't necessarily have that. I mean, if you look at Georgia, they've got Alabama pretty early in their schedule. And so they're not going to have the opportunity to take a true freshman, say left tackle, bring him in there. Might be really talented, but is he going to have the ability to separate himself? Is he going to have the ability to really take hold? And if you don't have the opportunity to get him in early and get his feet wet, then he's not going to be ready when it comes time to play that game against Florida and Jacksonville. So Florida does have that advantage from an early schedule perspective. The other place that Florida really has an advantage is, you know, Florida's lost quite a bit, but they lost, they lost quite a bit at receiver. And the reality is, is that there are, there, there are guys behind them who have quite a bit of experience. Anything about Kadarius Tony, Jacob Copeland, and Trevon Grimes coming back, there are guys at receiver to step in, even though they've lost a lot of guys at receiver. And then, you know, Ventrell Miller's coming back at linebacker. So, yes, you lose David Reese, but hopefully Amari Bernie can step in there. And then, you know, Kyrie Elam got quite a bit of time at cornerback. And so even with C.J. Henderson leaving, you've got somebody of similar talent profile, at least, who can step in in that space. So I, I think the, yes, young guys being able to step in early is going to probably be what we see throughout the entire college football season next year is maybe guys making more of an impact by game four or five, whereas maybe you would have thought it thought that you'd see the impact in games one, two or three. 
But the good news for Florida fans is that Florida has the opportunity for those guys to come in in, in games like Eastern Washington and stuff like that. See who maybe decide who you're going to redshirt those first couple of games and then be able to go from there. Well, one big advantage, and this just popped in my head here. Um, look at the two toughest games we're going to put on Florida's schedule next year. That's going to be LSU, and that's going to be Georgia. Look at all the coaching changes. Look at all the new system that they'll have to put in uh, with that. And you know, the scheme changes, coaching changes, uh, quarterback changes, offensive line changes. I mean, those two programs you would have loved, you know, are, are going – and look, spring still may happen, but it may not happen either. So there's an effect there where these these new quarterbacks and these new coordinators are not going to have as much time to, to work together or it's going to be hurried or in some way, form, form or fashion, it's going to change. So they're not going to have the experience. You know, Florida has the same coaching staff, has Dan Mullen, has the same offense, has a returning quarterback. As you said, a lot of the receivers return as well. There's a lot, there's a rapport there where there's not a lot of newness. A lot of these guys know what to expect. With the changes going on at LSU and Georgia, that's that's a lot of change there, and this spring would have you know you know you use spring as a springboard to the fall and, and getting used to this. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do uh, in watching film and all that, but until you get out there on the field and try and put all that stuff together, you know it, it it's it doesn't it doesn't make a full a full final uh, piece until you get out there on that field, put all those pieces together. So now I think this is an advantage for Florida with their two toughest teams on the schedule of those guys, those teams and new coaches and, and new schemes will be behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you always hear coaches talk about the guys who leave for the summer and come back as different players because they've taken what they were taught during the spring and able to apply it in the fall. And a couple of extra weeks that you tack on to the fall, if that's what they end up doing, doesn't necessarily give them the opportunity to do that. I think some of that is just allowing the – information that you have to sort of infiltrate and, and saturate within who you are, right? So you, they teach you stuff, you do the installs, you learn new things, all that sort of stuff during the spring. And then you have an opportunity to watch film of spring practice and sort of see how you how you progress throughout the spring and work on those things that you struggled with. So you don't really, you're not able to see what you were struggling with on the field if you haven't had the opportunity for spring. And so having somebody, I mean, Kyle Trask now has an entire year to go back and watch his watch his tape and understand where he struggled, where defenses were taking advantage of him. Same thing with the offensive line, right? So Ethan White is going to be able to go out and look at film of what he did last year on the field and decide, okay, this is where I need to need to see an increase in in my abilities. And then you think about a team like Georgia, they're, they're replacing nine of their 11 starters on offense. They've got Newman coming in at quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Um, all the questions that are going to start surrounding Kirby if he gets off to a slow start and and LSU as well if all those guys were going to the combine and, and Burrow certainly showed us how important a quarterback could be for a program and then you know if you do get through Georgia and you do get through LSU well Alabama's got a brand well relatively new quarterback mm -hmm. as well um, and and so you know 2020 was always the year that you sort of looked at especially after this season season and said, hey, Florida's pretty solid at quarterback. They're pretty solid at a lot of different places. If they can bring in that 2020 recruiting class and get a couple of guys to step in, and that's maybe where you know the transfers has been something that I've been a little bit a little bit uh, critical of, but transfers are probably a excellent thing to have in this particular environment because the transfer guy has two, you know, Brenton Cox has a year in the program, even though he hasn't played at Florida. So it's the first time we're really going to see him on the field, but he's been here for quite a while. You look at Gervon Dexter, not a transfer, but a five-star guy who maybe can make an impact very early. So, um, yeah, I think 
I think you're going to see two things. One is that um, high-level five-star recruiting is going to play a bigger role this year than it normally does just because the guys who have enough talent to overcome their mistakes are going to get on the field. And then, as always, quarterback play is usually where the, where the, where the game is won, and Florida's going to have an advantage there too over its big rivals. All right. Yeah. So I think that's a, a pretty interesting uh, way of looking at it there. And, and just, uh, I think the, yeah, the experience important parts for Florida and then all those coaching changes, scheme changes uh, there for the, for, for those big programs. So well, man, anything, but anything else before we move on uh, from football, of course, you know, a lot to, to discuss here. Uh, we'll get, we'll get into recruiting a little bit too uh, later on in the episode and how it affects that. But as far as stuff that will happen on the field, I know you weren't really on the, uh, uh, the defensive episode this past week, uh, that we had with Nick, but, uh, you know, you've got to find a pass rusher on that side. I like, like I said, some leadership there, uh, in the linebacking court and nickel spot, I, I guess, you know, we wanted to see a spring was a chance for us to see maybe Chester Kimbrough go in there in that nickel spot and maybe make a name for himself. The spring would have been huge for a player like him to go out there, prove himself and go into fall with, Hey, we know we have a guy at nickel now that we really can rely on. Uh, and you know, we can build around that, build our secondary around two outstanding outside corners. We got our nickel back, but now when the spring, uh, or a delayed spring or an abbreviated spring, you know, fall, uh, as I said, you know, the time, every, in a way, the, the timeline just gets sped up here. Yeah, I mean, I think the the place that I would really pay attention to, obviously, is the offensive line yeah. is the place where reps become really, really important and is one of the things I think is necessary for Trask to be able to take a ne- next step forward is they're just going to have to have some sort of a running game. It, they can't be completely one-dimensional and expect to beat, beat even teams that are a little bit maybe down this year. If you look at Georgia and LSU and even Alabama, um, they're going to need to have some semblance of a running game. And then, um, you know, the the – the defensive side of the ball in particular, you know, Zachary Carter started to step up towards the end of last year. You've got Brenton Cox on the other side, but there's not a whole lot of depth behind those guys when it comes to defensive end. So, you know, is Chris Bogle going to put on enough weight to be able to be a edge setting defensive end? You got Diabate, who was sort of a hybrid linebacker defensive end. Where's he going to play? Um, is Dexter going to be able to pick up the defense enough to be able to, to be an anchor in the middle um, with TJ Slayton and those sorts of guys? I, I mean, to me, the you know Muschamp used to say it, and I think people bristle whenever you bring up Muschamp. But he talked about it being a line line of scrimmage league, and that's really true. I mean, if you've got a quarterback and you can play and you can hold up on the offensive and defensive lines, then you're going to be successful. And so the questions for Florida are on those lines, whereas the question for some of these other teams is likely more at the quarterback position than it is for Florida. So you know, if if you get good quarterback play, and if those lines can really make a leap, then then you've got an opportunity there. And and I think that's that's maybe what you miss out in spring practice, but also those tend to be the positions where the talent reigns supreme, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And so hopefully some of the additions Florida's made are going to make that transition a little bit smoother there. Yeah. And one point Nick brought up too uh, last week with the defense and, and talking about that is it just spring practice overall, you get to experiment a little. So maybe that part of it doesn't happen. Maybe you kind of go more of the known prospects so maybe you know at safety where florida has um brad stewart and donovan steiner and sean davis coming in you know this maybe those are the three guys those three guys were probably getting the first round of snaps anyway but as we said you know the trading experiment moving him back back there you know it, maybe it slows something like that down maybe now with this abbreviated you know spring practice or, or whatever happens there 
you know, a lot of the experimenting uh, maybe doesn't that doesn't go along there, and you, you stick more to what you know and fine tune that. If you don't get the, especially if you don't have any spring at all, that's what I think. You know, we, we don't really know what's going to happen. That's something I would look for uh, with the way you know the spring happens. If it doesn't happen at all, then I think when you get to fall camp. Uh, you're, you're going more with what you know. And so you don't have necessarily a, a lot of time to tinker, a lot of time to figure things out. Sure. I think the other thing we're going to see is that this is going to be essentially an abbreviated or a, a extended off season for these players. Right. And, and we know what happens yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. when you yeah. give extended off seasons for various programs. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that you measure a coach by is how disciplined are his, are his players when they're not ne- when the coach isn't necessarily there preaching to them every day. It's it's relatively easy once you fall into the the rhythm of a spring camp and then a fall camp and then a season to not necessarily step out of line. Usually, the disciplinary problems pop up over the summer. So now you've got sort of an extended time for that to occur. And the question in the SEC, the question nationwide in college football, is going to be which programs have players who are focused enough to where that doesn't become a distraction. Obviously in 2017, Florida had some issues with that, with the, uh, with the credit card stuff that, you know, was part and parcel to why McElwain had such a bad year that year among other things. And, and that'll be a big part of it, right. Is, is, you know, you talk about building a culture, you talk about building a team that's, that's in it together and all those sorts of things. And, and I think this will give us an opportunity to see that. It'll also give the coaches an opportunity to see that. Right. So the guys who, who were able to bulk up under Savage, there are going to be a few guys who don't do a very good job of maintaining that while there's some separation between the coaches and the players. There will be guys who build on the stuff that they were able to build with Savage. And the coaches are going to see that when players come back in fall camp. So I do think it's an opportunity to prove to your coaches that you're disciplined, that you've taken what they've told you to heart and really maybe take a step up in their eyes because you were able to be able to stick to the program. And then there will probably be some players who take a step back as well because they're not able to. Yep. So definitely interesting. Will. I think we're just, just a lot of guesswork of what could happen <laughs> with this spring. We have no idea. Uh, but uh, I think it's just, you know, I think we hit it well-rounded enough to some things that can uh, take place here with a lack of spring practice or an abbreviated spring there. It's a very interesting time here uh, in trying to figure all this out. Yeah. I mean, it's unprecedented, right? I mean, it's the same thing. I, again, the only thing I can sort of equate it to was was September 11th back yeah. in 2001, where you didn't really know what was going on. I mean, you know, you watch the planes go into the buildings and then you're, you know, what's next? And then the plane went down in Pennsylvania and, you know, you, you just didn't know what was next and everybody was sort of on edge. And I think um, it's not the same thing, but it's a, it's a, the apprehension is pretty similar, right? Yeah, that you just yeah. don't know what's next. You you can't plan because there is no certainty as for what's next. So um, the SEC and, and Strickland and, and really college, the NCAA in general, have pushed those sorts of decisions back for college football back a month. But, you know, the reality is, is April 15th will come and, and they'll have to make that decision all over again. And they're sort of in wait and see mode, just like we are. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we move forward, Let's take a second to thank our sponsor of Manscaped. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. It's the perfect tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. 
This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Nick free shaving thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. And of course, let's not forget about the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, right? So why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? When you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit at manscaped.com, you get the biggest bang for your buck. Subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code GATERS at manscaped.com. Create your account, get 20% off plus free shipping plus two free gifts with the code GATERS at manscaped.com. All right, well, so, of course, this all stemmed from, uh, of course, talking about spring practice here. A lot of this stemmed from first on Thursday. We got the announcement that uh, Florida's spring sports uh, plus basketball, uh, no SEC or you know the SEC tournament was taking place. Uh, Georgia wins this game. Florida's getting ready to to, to play, and then the, the announcement comes down that the spring sports plus basketball uh, would not happen. So no SEC tournament for basketball, no NCAA tournament for the men's basketball team uh, either. So. Um, now, this was interesting, uh, going around and, and looking at uh, everything that's happening on Twitter. Uh, the NCAA Vice President, of Basketball, Vice President of Basketball, Dan Gavitt, tells CBS Sports that despite the fact that there is no March Madness, the NCAA has not yet completely killed the idea of building and releasing a 68-team 2020 NCAA tournament. So, it would take place, of course, later in the year. Um, still a lot to figure out, of course, but he did throw that out there that uh, it's you know, not completely out of the realm that they'll still try and bring back a maybe a May Madness tournament. So we'll see uh, what goes along there. But uh, you know, the baseball, softball teams, gymnastics, lacrosse, uh, you know, a lot of those teams were playing so well. Had you know, they had their chance at playing for a national championship taken away as the NCAA announced championships for spring sports will not take place. Now, it does seem individual conferences, conferences can still uh, eventually get back into play at some point if everything clears. Uh, and, and, you know, Strickland even said today that that may be optimistic. April 15th is that date to look forward to uh, in that. So you know, with all that, uh, the NCAA did release. I'll have to find the tweet here. Uh, but for what, you know, what they were saying is um, due to the evolving COVID-19 public health threat, Division I council leadership today agreed that the NCAA member schools should make the best decisions for the health and safety of their coaches, staff, student athletes, recruits, and communities. So the NCAA is throwing you know, some more back at the schools to, to make a lot of these decisions here. Uh, but we do know there will be no championships uh, for these schools. But once this April 15th date hits, and for a lot of these other sports, if everything's cleared by April 15th and they're ready to go, you still may see these other programs go out there and, and compete in some kind of conference championship format. But, Will, if not, and, and the way it looks now and, and the way we got everything thrown at us on Thursday and, and for most of the day Friday, 
you have to feel bad for a lot of these kids who have really only played a couple weeks of their sport and it's been taken away, especially for the seniors who this is their last year. Um, and then the NCAA has come out and said well, they're going to do everything uh, they can on you know, getting those uh, granting eligibility uh, for the spring sports. Um, there are no details on, on what that means. The NCAA announced that they, you know, they're going to try and, and help and, and grant relief uh, for these el- eligibility for these student athletes in these spring sports. Uh, so, you know, you can assume this year won't count, to- count towards the eligibility. But, of course, you brought it up earlier and the other issues, you know, how do they balance the roster and the roster issues this, this would create with more players staying and then still having to recruit the next class. So roster size will need to be addressed. It's the right move. There's still just a lot to figure out here. But hopefully, first of all, you know, you have to feel for, uh, you know, these thousands of student athletes out there uh, that have only been playing a couple weeks now to, to just lose their seasons. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> anybody who's played a sport knows how much you have to put into it, especially to play at these kinds of levels. And, you know, you look at guys like Austin Langworthy and Kirby McMullen, guys who are really having good starts to seasons that could be truly special. And, yeah, absolutely you feel for them. And, you know, one of the complications with having a May Madness tournament is that a lot of these guys are going to be graduating, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like – and the guys who weren't necessarily – they've got that NCAA commercial where, you know, they don't all go pro, but they go pro in something. Well, you know. People line up jobs and and do all that sort of stuff too. So it, it it's going to be interesting to see the logistics and and sort of the the mechanisms that they use to to make these decisions and have these guys out there. But you know, yes, absolutely, you feel for these players. But at the same time, they're learning something pretty valuable that, that everybody needs to learn in college, which is that life isn't fair and and sometimes circumstances are outside of your control. And, uh, you know, it, it stinks and you never want that to happen to somebody, certainly not in this way, but, um, you know, you deal the, you deal with it the best you can. And obviously I think there are things that are more important than somebody playing the second half of their senior year in baseball or softball or gymnastics or whatever. So, um, you know, yes, you feel for the individual player, but I think everybody realizes the severity of what's going on. And so if the NCAA can find a way to make it, um, make it equitable or make it, easy enough if there's a way to make it work where you can give people an extra year of eligibility i think that's a great thing i I, i'm just not sure that we necessarily need to worry about it right now and Mm -hmm. especially if you think that you might have an opportunity to come back and play in may at that point i suspect that they won't be giving people an extra year of eligibility because they will have played in may so um yeah it's just one of those things where everything's sort of up in the air i think everybody's disappointed with the way things look right now but things may look very very different three weeks from now and i I think that's one of the things that comes out of strickland's comments and sort of the ncaa's comments overall is we expect a month from now for this to still be an issue but if it's not an issue you know we want to give us the give give the university the leeway to make changes Absolutely. So winter sports are still being decided on eligibility, and that does count basketball uh, there. So there's still a possibility that some of those players, you know, even though they played a complete whole regular season, Will, uh, they're still NCAA still undecided on how they'll move forward the winter sports. So definitely something to watch there because, um, look, we, we know the, the, the regular season of the NCAA tournament is built to move towards March Madness and March Madness is where it's at. That's what everybody remembers. Not a lot of people remember the regular season champion or the SEC tournament champion. It's about where did you finish in the tournament? So uh, that's just the the nature of the beast in, in college basketball. So we'll see how they weigh 
all this uh, and, and eligibility for a season that was pretty much played except for just the postseason uh, part of college basketball. Well, it, man, it, it, it we're all, we're all geared up. We don't get to fill out a bracket this year more, for more than likely uh, the way it is. You know, this is uh, just one of more of the things. You know, this this virus out there has kind of just taken away from us and. I mean, sports just in general taken away, but one of the, you know, biggest sporting events in America, you know, this first, you know, that first weekend of March Madness and college basketball and all the crazy last second shots and comebacks and, uh, you know, teams rushing onto the court with a buzzer beater shots. I mean, we did, we're probably not going to get it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, again, it's it's disappointing, obviously, and and people are going to have to learn how to go outside and, and, and do things outdoors because <laughs> there's not going to be a sports on TV. I saw a meme on Facebook today that, you know, the guy was like, oh, it's day two without sports. There's I saw this woman over on the couch. Apparently, she's my wife. She's kind of nice. So, <laughs> you know, so some of us are like that, especially during college football season. In fact, I bet you my wife would uh, would accuse me of being like that during college football season. So Well, well funny, too, doing an episode on a Friday night, like Kaylee was like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> hey, man, you got to, got to, got to give people content when they're missing it over the weekend. But uh, you know, I, it's it's interesting because for the basketball program at Florida, there's obviously been quite a bit of vitriol, especially on Twitter, for for Mike White, and there there's a really divided fan base in terms of White and his ability, and and the white defenders have been saying, well, let's give him till the tournament. And the white detractors have been saying, I don't need to see anything else. I've already seen everything I need to see. And the tournament, if it is canceled, really sort of gives him a reprieve from this year, though it does put the fire under him for next year, probably pretty severely. So, um, you know, it extends this argument into next year, but it doesn't force Florida into a decision, which was going to be a little bit uncomfortable, I think, because there is a segment of the fan base that is not pleased with the way things have gone. But there's a segment that wants to give him another year. And obviously, with the extension that he got relatively recently, um, it would be an expensive proposition to to decide to make a change. So he was probably going to get next year regardless. But now he's going to. Because yep. Of, <laughs> yeah, but now he's going to because of this. So, yeah. um, you know, I do wonder whether the lack of a tournament will mean that there's a little bit more positivity going into the next season because it's pretty clear like this year, it, it wasn't clear whether this was make or break. And so you had people getting pretty vicious with each other on Twitter and uh, you know, next year it'll be pretty clear that it's a make or break. And so, you know, we'll know when they're, if they're 20 and 10 or 25 and five sort of where he stands going into the next year. So it's going to be, it gonna, sets things up for an interesting 2020, 2021 season. Um, obviously, I'd love to see the end of this season, but it might end up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise for the basketball program. Yeah, I can't agree more. Yeah, ne- next year's the, the 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 make or break, do or die year, uh, I think, uh, for Mike White and, and the basketball team uh, there. So, a couple more um, ways to well, well, anything else on these uh, spring uh, sports and stuff? I mean, uh, as I said, uh, you know, baseball team was rolling, only one loss. Oh well, yeah, there is a couple more angles to that to, to the baseball one. Um, you know, sixteen to one lost their last game uh, to FSU uh, there, but you know a lot of I know a lot of baseball diehards out there. Uh, there, Tony Aguilini, one of them, been going to 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 you know Florida baseball games for for years. Probably you know the happiest guy on earth when when Florida won the baseball tournament. But for, you know, for fans like him who grew up and and went to like McKeithen Stadium. For in the stadium, it's, it's, this is the last year uh, of that, and the last game may have been played. There's, there will not be a, a proper send off 
uh, the, for that stadium now before it's torn down and, and eventually turned into the uh, you know football complex there. Uh, but uh, you know that's uh, um, kind of maybe you know a surreal personal moment that a lot of fans are going to miss, and a lot of you know I'm sure former Gator baseball players have maybe had some plans to come and, and visit and you know pay their respects to to the place they probably played baseball. Uh, it uh, so you know, on a lower level here, it's uh, you know one more thing taken away. Yeah, I mean that's sort of been the theme of all the spring sports is that there's there's things that people just it, it's left incomplete, right? It, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of closure, and I don't know that there'll ever feel like there's closure. But um, that's also one of the things that college teaches you is, especially if you come back to campus when you see all the progress that's been made and how everything has changed since you left. Um, you know that nothing stands still; that everybody's always making progress, and the new baseball field is all part of that. And part of the reason that that baseball, that new baseball facility exists obviously is to make room for the football facility, but they're getting a gorgeous facility and that's all tied into the job that Kevin O'Sullivan has done there and building that program into not just a team that won the national championship a couple years ago, but a team that is consistently making it to college world series and a team that is really kind of set up. And that, and that's maybe one of the things that's disappointing about this year is this team was really set up to be good for the next two or three years based on the freshmen and those guys coming in and contributing. And, you know, you get guys like Langworthy and McMullen were important, but, you know, so were guys like Ben Specht, who's just a sophomore. So were guys like, you know, um, Josh Rivera, who's a freshman playing shortstops. <laughs> so were guys like, um, you know, uh, Jacob Young and Judd Fabian and, and all those sorts of guys who were relatively young. So, um, you know, the, the players – obviously have their season shortened, but, um, but you don't get the opportunity to see those guys who are freshmen grow, go through their first slump because they're all going to go through a slump. <laughs> so that's the way that sport works and, and grow into guys who've made their way through that slump, who've, who've gotten through those difficult times and then are able to shine on the big stage. So it's depressing that we won't get to see that. It's depressing. We won't get to see the Mac with a proper send off, but um, they're going to have that gleaming new facility next year. And, and, and they've earned it because of the way that program has been built. And all those players, particularly the seniors are, are part of that and responsible for that. So, you know, those guys have won a national championship and have brought, you know, Florida's Florida's really, I think Florida's the only school that can brag that they've got a championship in football, basketball, and baseball since the year 2000. And, and these guys were all part of that. Yeah, and that's another reason it hurts. You know, they, like I said, they just lost their first game to FSU earlier in the week. Uh, they were the number one ranked team in college baseball, so we get to claim that as a national championship, right, Will? Well, but what are <laughs> what are we from UCF? What, what's going on here? Like, sure, no. why not? Let, let's put yeah. the let's put the banner up there and, and yeah. pretend. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, a little bit of a joke there. Not nowhere near enough to the season uh, played there. So, uh, I mean, a little bit more than the Apollos, though. True, true, true. <laughs> uh, I had a big series with Georgia coming up this weekend and stuff. Everything was setting up for a, a big week here. But, uh, yep, not going to happen now. Not going to happen. So, we're talking about other things that are not going to happen. And we'll move back to the world of football before we wrap up here on Gators Breakdown. And that is the visit of one five-star running back, Zach Evans, that was supposed to visit Florida next week. Of course, with everything we've discussed and and laid out for you earlier in the episode, the visits cannot happen either. NCAA has temporarily added a recruiting dead period through at least April 15th, so no on-campus or off-campus visits. Telephone calls and written correspondence are allowed, so 
course, the big question there, how does this affect Zach Evans' recruitment with him not being able to visit uh, now uh, next weekend, uh, the March 20th weekend? Um, we'll see if that gets rescheduled. Uh, of course, that can't even happen until, you know, like as we said, April 15th. Uh, would that is would that leave enough time for him to visit and, and make a decision? Well, just because Florida clears things April fifteenth, SEC clears things April fifteenth, will he his family feel safe enough to travel from Texas to Florida make to to, to make that visit there? So of course the line of communication will still be open, uh, but this is uh, unprecedented territory here again in the recruiting world. Well, one advantage Florida had, you know, combine it, they had their big junior day last weekend. A lot of the other schools and big programs out there were holding their junior days this coming up weekend. Florida had a lot of four-star, five-star talent on campus, made headway with a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys are going to have to stay put now and not take visits to other schools for a while. Their lasting impression in the recruiting world would be a visit to Florida. Uh, but it, the, the big headline here is, uh, for, for right now, how does this affect the recruitment of five-star running back Zach Evans? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really it really comes down to energy, right? That you feel like Florida was really building some energy and some momentum on the trail with Tim Brewster in particular being able to sort of, you know, it feels like Florida's starting to turn a corner in, in recruiting with Brewster coming in and Turner coming in last year and and really starting to see the the quality of the list of the guys who came to that junior day and and sort of their abilities and, and Evans as well, right? I mean, that Florida, I think, has had some crystal balls for Evans come in pretty recently over the last month or so where it seems like that's kind of where he's leaning but obviously he's not from florida and so that's something that that uh impacts things when it comes to travel and, and the virus and, and all that sort of stuff but um i suspect that the ncaa is also going to be taking a look at this i mean obviously they've imposed sort of the the involuntary dead period here that's new and so there are probably going to be some modifications made to what coaches can do on the recruiting trail and what players are allowed to do and how they're able to take visits and 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 the different kinds of communication too so you know, it's uncharted territory. The NCAA is going to have to probably be a little bit flexible. Players are going to have to be a little bit flexible. Coaches are going to have to be a little bit flexible. And, you know, it's it's worth bending over backwards when you got a guy who's a five-star running back and you've missed out on the last couple of five-star running backs. So I don't really – I don't anticipate that Florida is going, uh, going to let up at all when it comes to his recruitment. They're just going to have to delay things for a little bit. Yeah, it just shrinks the timeline because I don't think the, the enrollment time would change too much of, like, you know, summer um, – I mean, it could. Don't get me wrong. You know, this is uncharted, unprecedented territory. Uh, like we said, it's he would be sub- supposed to enroll in early May uh, to be, you know, take part in in summer programs and all that stuff. So maybe that does get shifted back a little bit as well, and it does open up a larger timeline for him to visit with everything getting pushed into mid to late April and him having to make a decision in early May because he's not going to sign a letter of intent. He'll just, you know, sign financial aid papers and, and, and go to school uh, wherever. So, uh, you know, we were looking forward to it uh, next weekend. We will now have to wait there. Yeah, well, and one of the, I mean, you know, we sort of talked about one of the advantages of, or all the disadvantages of a spring practice not existing, but maybe one of the advantages is a guy like Zach Evans comes in and basically is on level playing field mm-hmm. with all the early enrollees who would have had the opportunity to have spring practice and fall practice when now Zach Evans comes in and he's got, you know, he, he's not behind the eight ball because he hasn't had any, you know, he hasn't had fewer practices. That, that'll be interesting to see what the NCAA does with that too, right? So if Evans decides to commit to Florida and he comes into the school and let's say they give teams two or three more weeks worth of practice in the summer you know leading up to fall camp 
is it going to be considered an early enrollee if you participate in those two or three weeks of practice <laughs> and and how does that work so um yeah they're gonna have to be some decisions made but uh you know again it might be an advantage for a guy like evans who's come who would have had to come in during fall camp and will now have the opportunity to not miss out on some of those spring reps and be on equal footing with other guys well, that just really brought up something to my mind I didn't even think about when we talked earlier about the effects of maybe missing a spring practice or no spring practice. Transfers, like out of the program. A lot of guys take spring practice, kind of see where they are on the depth chart after spring practice, and if, they don't, if they're not getting the reps in practice or they're further down the depth chart than they like to be, then they'll tra- go and transfer to another program. If there's no spring practice, that, you know, that, that really changes some things. You may not see as many transfers out of the program as you've seen in the past or maybe we thought we'd see this coming up year guys is still kind of be in limbo maybe of where they'd be uh on the uh on the depth chart so that maybe is another aspect i didn't really think about until now was guys really if if they're thinking about transferring well you know they're not going to get their answer especially if there's no spring practice yeah, well, it might mean that we see some stuff that that's been a little bit of an aberration recently. But you know, the Kelly Bryant situation where he plays for four games and then leaves so that he can claim so that it, you know they could be a redshirt season yeah. rather than a season of eligibility. We saw that with Derek King at Houston last year, where he just decided he was going to sit <laughs> and claimed he was going to come back, and then decided to transfer to Miami. Um, you know, that might be the situation that we see more of in 2020. Because a guy comes in, says, you know, I'm going to work my butt off. And then if in the first four games I don't get the kind of playing time I want, I'm going to go ahead and redshirt and and yeah. and sit out because that's really the only leverage he's going to have because it, it would be very, very difficult to get, to go through, you know, the first four weeks or whatever of, of this lengthened fall practice and then decide, you know, you're going to transfer to Georgia Tech or something. Like, it just wouldn't be time to pick up the 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 scheme and all that sort of stuff and it would be um it'd be a difficult thing to do so i think maybe what we'll see is areas where guys transfer in season much much more than we've seen in the past and and that'll just sort of be the reality for the 2020 for the 2020 year and maybe even sets precedent for makes it a little bit more normal and then we'll see it a little bit more from then on too but you know the transfer the transfer portal itself is changing the way college football mm-hmm. is played the legislation that's coming that's going to allow players to monetize their likenesses that's also going to have an impact on how college football is played and so you know whatever rules are instituted here is going to have an impact as well and the we're not even sure exactly what kind of impact the transfer portal has but then an abbreviated an abbreviated practice period certainly could have an impact there yeah one more aspect will before we get off here um no pro days uh, as the NFL has stopped in-person visits uh, with prospects. This comes from the NFL. It has nothing to do with the NCAA here. Uh, you would think, you know, with, the, with some of the rules that the NCAA has implemented the last, uh, what we've read this uh, episode, kind of was meant for that anyway. I don't think you would have been holding the activities of a pro day anyway. But the NFL kind of put that out there before the NCAA really had a chance to that their personnel would not be taking in-person visits with prospects. So could have an effect there, Will, for especially across the country there of guys maybe who didn't work out at the combine and said, I'm going to save that workout for my pro day and now don't get the chance to improve their draft stock. It's more about improving your draft stock at the at the pro day more so than, than it hurting. 
But yeah, a lot of a lot of players there were counting on this pro day to improve their draft stock. Maybe they had a disappointing showing. Maybe they didn't work out at all uh, at the NFL Combine. We're going was going to save their workout for a pro day uh, there. So that's not gonna they're not gonna get that luxury now. So NFL teams will have to go back and, and look at and study a lot of tape there uh, from from uh, from that. We'll, we'll see. I still think something may can happen. Um, we don't even know if the NFL draft is going to be held on the same day. I would assume it's going to be right now. It could get pushed back, and something something could happen down the road with some workouts. But I think the way it stands right now, there won't be a pro day. The NFL draft happens on the same day, and a lot of guys who just waited it out are is you know is now to their detriment. Yeah, maybe a little bit. But again, I think the NFL is going to take that into account. I think the general managers are going to take that into account. And I think they're going to have to – it's funny. You, you look at like the combine. Mike Mamula is always the guy you think of, the guy who was the combine warrior and then didn't necessarily play real well once he got to the pros out of Boston College. And, and the pro day – or not the pro day, but the combine sort of set him up to be drafted really, really high, whereas the tape probably – didn't necessarily justify that. And one of the things we've seen in the senior bowl and then the combine and, and some of the private workouts is the Van Jefferson really got rave reviews for his ability to separate and run routes and those sorts of things. So I think maybe in that capacity, somebody who consistently was able to show mm. that he was doing something that you also see on film, because that's something you could see on film when you watch Van Jefferson at Florida. Now the quarterbacks didn't always get in the ball. And, and part of that was that, um, you know, part of that was some limitations of quarterback sometimes. Part of that was because there were so many different weapons for the quarterback to throw to. Um, but, yeah, those are the types of things I think, um, you know, Freddie Swain obviously ran a very, very fast 40-yard 40 40-yard 40 dash time. Had he run like a 4.6 or a 4.7, then that's something where the pro day you'd be able to prove yeah. that you can run faster. You know, LaMichael Pirine is maybe the one guy I think of who who yeah. ran a 40 that was a little bit slower than maybe you would have expected. But, again, he's people have been telling him he's slow ever, ever since <laughs> he was a high schooler in Alabama. And he came out and was a big difference maker for Florida. And, he, and he's a big difference maker coming out of the backfield. So um, I, I think what we're going to probably see is that teams like the Patriots, who are normally at the forefront of being able to find edges, are going to be able to find an edge here in that people can't make complete analyses. And, you know, you're going to have to go back to the film. And that's I suspect that's actually something that's probably good for NFL teams. So if you have to go back to the film, you're going to get guys, you know, an 11-game sample size, a 22-game sample size to be able to say, all right, you know, this is what this guy does well, this is what he's done poorly, and this is how he's grown over the time that he's there. And as long as you were able to do the in-person interviews and they're comfortable with who you are as a person, I think you'll probably be all right. Yeah, I don't think this really affects Florida Florida uh, prospects for the draft all that much. Uh, as you said, they were getting rave reviews uh, at the Combine, the Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of those guys didn't really go too far out of um, you know falling or anything like that compared to what they've showed on film. Maybe even improved it a bit, like you know Han- like Swain uh, did at, at the Combine with his fast speed uh, there. So yeah, I, I don't really think a pro day hurts all these Florida prospects all too much. I think maybe some other prospects, like I said, out there who who were going to wait and you know throw like you know, Joe Burrow, he was going to wait and throw the LSU pro day. It, it's not hurting him. He's going to be the first pick regardless. Uh, but, you know, some of these other quarterbacks there uh, where people are shuffling, you know, who's the second best, the third best, fourth best quarterback, maybe a pro day was going to help them uh, sell a team or that. But uh, for the Florida prospects, I think those guys are pretty safe and slotted probably. I don't think a pro day was going to help their slot one way or another. 
Yeah, I think maybe the only guy that it might have really helped is Jabari Zaniga, particularly if he was still a little bit injured yeah. during during the combine, right? So right. if he goes out there and he runs a 40 he's not really happy with, or if he's not quite as fast in the shuttle or not quite as explosive because he's still recovering from the high ankle sprain, then, uh, okay, maybe a pro day helps a guy like that. Um you know, but yeah, for the most part, all these guys who are coming out from Florida specifically have quite a bit of tape, and we've been able to see them grow up, right? So you can see what Freddie Swain did as, as freshman and sophomore year under McIlwain and then what he did in his junior and senior year under Mullen, and you can see the strides that he's taken. And quite honestly, you know, I wasn't surprised to see his 40 time because we saw what he could do against Auburn. I mean, that 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 the ball he took to the house on the slant against Auburn is a ball that a lot of receivers get tackled by, tackled on, and he didn't. And I think the film tells you something that the 40-yard dash is now sort of verifying. So that's maybe the thing. Yeah. The combine is able to verify what you're seeing on film because sometimes it's hard. I mean, if, if you see Swain take one to the house against Eastern Tennessee State, you don't know whether he's just faster than the corner there. Like maybe that corner runs a 4-9. <laughs> so 4-6 mm-hmm. makes him look like he's really, really fast. But I think you can be pretty sure that when you're an SEC player and you're playing against guys, you know, the corners and safeties at Auburn are not slow. So, you know, the fact that Swain was able to leave them in the dust, I think the 40 is just sort of verifying what the film tells you. And, and that's really the thing that the NFL is going to have to grapple with is they won't be able to verify with numbers for guys who didn't work out what the film's telling them. And they'll just have to make that judgment straight off the film. All right. All right. Well, like I said, unprecedented territory. Will, man, thanks uh, on a Friday night, uh, you know, hopping on here and um, – Episode I wish we didn't have to do, uh, but we but we did and we, and we nailed and I think we hit everything here uh, in just a, in the in the short hour uh, that we had to do it. But uh, yeah, uncharted, unprecedented territory. We won't get spring football next week. I have no idea what we'll talk about for the next month, but uh, <laughs> we always figure it out. We always figure it out. You know, this is kind of next week was going to be really easy or a really good week. We're going to talk Monday. We're going to have the uh, start of spring practice to talk about. It was going to be there and, and see the team practice. And then on Tuesday, Dan Mullen was going to be here in Jacksonville and, and speaking to, uh, to, to Jacksonville Gators. And now, uh, you know, none of that's going to happen. Yeah, well, I was telling you before we came on that one of my goals is going to be to increase the amount that I'm writing just because, again, I know that it's good to have a distraction from time to time. So hopefully, uh, you know, during the offseason, I usually take a little bit of time and maybe write once a week or once every two weeks. It's been recently because, like I said, I've had some stuff at my real job that's been occupying my time. But um, with no travel and, <laughs> and and some projects on hold, hopefully I'll have some time and hopefully people, people want to read some stuff about sort of the, what happened during 2019 and what, what that means for 2020. Cause uh, you know, we're in the, we're in limbo as much as the programs are right now when it comes to, when it comes to analyzing what's going on, cause there's nothing really new going on. So, yeah. um, so that'll be the goal over the next few weeks. And I'm sure you and I will we'll find something. We've been talking a little bit about what, what we can do, and I'm sure we'll come up with something fun, and hopefully people will come along for the ride. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Everybody stay safe out there. Uh, like I said, heed warnings, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, stay safe. Uh, be safe, pay attention, and um, guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.